Amen. Because that is true, we say, Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O Lord. Let me proclaim your power to this, this new generation and your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed holy and worthy, and marvelous. You deserve our praise. You're worthy of it. We thank you that though our words are limited to describe your majesty and your holiness and your faithfulness, that you choose to dwell in our praises and walk with us in our shadows. We pray that whatever age we find ourselves in this morning, we are not satisfied to be defined by our years, but by our holy passion and our sense of your call. We invite you, O Holy Spirit, to come and enter this moment. You inspired your word, and we pray now that you work in each of our hearts as we try to sit under that word and be formed by it. We invite you in. Make this more than speaking and listening. Make this a dance of the Father's grace as we are reminded of our Savior's love. And we seek to obey your word. It's in our Savior's name we pray. Amen. This morning we are in Joshua. I hope that you'll open your Bibles to Joshua, the 14th chapter. And sometimes my clicker is working and sometimes it is not working. So let's hit the clicker in the back. There we go. We're talking about not counting our life by years. And we're going to read from Joshua 14, verses 5 through 15. Now you remember that the Israelites have entered the land. They have taken Jericho. They have taken Ai. They have won the hearts of the people in the land because their fear of Israel's God. After a period of time, they'd conquered many of the city-states, and it came time to divide the land. So verse 5 picks up the story. So the Israelites divided the land just as the law of the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the people of Judah 
approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the, Ken, uh, the Kenizzite, and they said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. And he's looking back to the time where the, the original spies were sent out into the promised land. And you remember, ten of them came back and they were terrified. There are giants in the land. The cities are well fortified. The warriors are great. We're just like little grasshoppers in their sight. And that's what he's talking about. But Joshua and Caleb brought back a different report. Verse 7, middle. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children. And that inheritance will be yours forever because you followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, everyone else died. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out and do battle as I was 45 years ago. So now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me back on that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. The Anakites, the Anakim as they were called were giants. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out now just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb the son of Jephunneh and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, the great giant of a man among the Anakites. And then the land had rest from war. Years ago, I came across a poem by an English poet named A. E. Hausman. He was not a believer. And a young man died, and he was the hero athlete of the city. An agony that's not unfamiliar to many of you. So what do you say when a young person dies and faith is not a part of the picture? And he composed this poem to an athlete dying young. The day you won your town the race, we cheered you through the marketplace. Man and boy stood cheering by. His home we brought you shoulder high. They carried him 
on their shoulders is a victor. But today, today, the road all runners come, shoulder high we bring you home, carrying them on the casket. And we set you at your threshold down, townsman of a stiller town. Smart lad to slip betimes away from fields where glory does not stay. For early though the laurel grows, the laurel, the victor's wreath that went on his head, it withers quicker than the rose. Now you will not swell the rout of lads who wore their honors out, runners whom renown outran, and the name died before the man. I don't know about you, but I don't want my usefulness or my influence or my passion to die before I do. I don't want to coast to the finish line with the Jesus impact of my life dying many years before I get there simply so I can enjoy my soft landing place in retirement or late adulthood. Because my dad died at an early age, because I lost three friends in high school, maybe I've known it at an existential level more than most, earlier than most. But there's nobody in this community that doesn't realize this is true. One of these days, maybe sooner than later, somebody's going to lay me on my back and dress me in nice clothes. And they're going to stick me in a box and they're going to put me in a hole in the ground. They're going to throw some dirt on my face and there's going to be some pretty smelling flowers. And maybe somebody will say a few nice words over me. And then they're going to say amen and everybody's going to go back to the church building and they're going to eat fried chicken. And I don't say that to be crass or rude. I, I, you know, my kinfolks are from Hollis, Oklahoma. Some of my earliest childhood memories are a little clapboard white church building, eating fried chicken and black-eyed peas and homemade biscuits and pitching washers after a funeral of somebody I'm kin to. It's the inescapable reality, and, and we don't know. We, we don't know how long our lifetime is going to be. We just know we get one lifetime, and we want to make that lifetime count. So we say what we say, not to be cold or cruel, but to remind ourselves of the truth, because we want to finish strong, and we don't know when the finish is. I don't know about you, I, I, I don't know if you can read that or not, you probably can't, but I know you know it, a lot of you do, for I have already been poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept 
the faith now in store for me? Is the victor's crown, not like the laurel that wilts in a hurry, but the victor's crown, the gold crown we'll receive from the king of glory. The victor's crown awaits me that I'll receive from the righteous judge. And he's going to award it to me on that day. And not only to me, Paul says, but to everybody who has longed for his appearing. To put it in Texas vernacular, good old cornbread English, Paul says, I'm going to die with my boots on. I'm not going to go quietly into that good night. And Nero may demand my head, but he will not have my heart. Most of us who are passionate for Jesus, we want to die with our boots on too, don't we? That's why I love, I love Joshua 14. Basically, Caleb is saying, give me this hill country. Give me this hill country, this very area that the other ten spies were scared liverless to tackle. And give me these Anakim, the Anakites, the giants. Now you give me those giants. And you give me their large fortified cities. And I may be 85 years old. But my God hadn't throttled down his power. And my God hasn't ignored his promises. We've just not been faithful to them. And if he promised me that would be my inheritance, I'm ready to claim it. You give me the hill country with the giants and the fortified cities. Yeah, the land that was once named Kiriath Arba after the great mighty giant. But we're going to name it Hebron. We're going to rename it because of the faithfulness of our God. Basically, he's saying, <laughs> I, I, may look like a, uh, I may look like an 85-year-old bag of bones. A pile of gristle. But I know this by God's power, by the strength of Yahweh, our God. The God I serve wholeheartedly. We will take the land. Need you to advance it. It's not advancing now, please. While Caleb was doing this at 85, and I think that's cool. It's cool that he's 85 and he's still as strong as he was at 45. But I will tell you this. If I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 45, that ain't near as strong as I was at 25 or 35. Do I hear some reality amen on that one? Everybody knows somewhere between your 39th birthday and your 40th birthday, you quit buying shoes for style and you start buying them for comfort, right? You know you're old. You know you're old. Okay, you like my socks? You know you're old when you have to wear cushioned insoles to preach in. I'm not talking about hunting at 10,000 feet with a bow chasing elk. I'm talking about sitting behind a podium. I think it's cool that Caleb gets to do all that. But that's not the Holy Spirit's emphasis in this passage. There's 
something said three times in this passage. And it can be true of every single one of us. So, if your Bible is in your hand, whether it's a mobile device or whatever, look back again with me at at chapter 14, and I want to point out something to you. Verse 8. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That's right. Let's say it together. Wholeheartedly. Isn't that a good word? It's kind of like the singing we had this morning. I wanted to, after those first couple of songs, I want to know what in the world did you have for breakfast, Tony? I want some of that next time. I, I got to get up early to get here in time. Followed the Lord, my God, say it with me, wholeheartedly. Verse 9, so on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now look down to verse 14. And don't you think it's cool that when God puts his stamp on something, he gets renamed? And Kiriath Arba, the land of the giants, gets named Hebron? Verse 14, so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kidnizite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. And then it said the land had rest from war. We may not be as vigorous in our later years as we are in our younger years. We take our vitamins and we do all that stuff and we exercise and gravity still seems to win. Most of us men, if we're honest, we have chest of drawers disease. You know what that is, right? Your chest ends up in your drawers. The Incredible Hulk becomes the Incredible Bulk. It just is gravity. And you can suck it up and you can do everything you want. I'm still not ready to wear suspenders yet, by the way. But it's just a reality. But we can serve the Lord our God, regardless of our age, nose to toes, wholeheartedly. With all we are, with all the time that we have, we can serve him that way. We don't want to be like the folks who grow older and feel like they've earned the right to coast and say, well, that's the young folks' job to do now. And we don't want to be like the folks that say, no, I want church the way I want it. I've earned that right. I've been around here long enough. No, we don't want that. We want to take the mountainous country where the giants live because we serve the Lord our God wholeheartedly. But how do we do that? How do we do that? 
Because if we're honest, most of us will enter the world and leave the world the same way. We're going to take up space and make waste. Naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to leave. That's the way Job said it. But we don't know how to say naked in Texas. We call it naked. And so just be real. And as precious as a child is, everybody knows until they're six weeks old, they're not going to start smiling at you. If they're smiling, you know what they're doing. (laughs) Oh, look, he's smiling at me. Well, you can change it, darling. Because we come into the world taking up space and making a little noise and making a lot of waste. And a lot of us are going to go out of the world that way. But in between, we want to serve the Lord our God wholeheartedly and we don't want anything to take that away from us. So we pray. We beg. We plead. Oh, God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I tell others about the wonderful things you do. But now, now that I am old and gray, oh, oh Lord, don't abandon me. Don't abandon me, oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this next generation. Let me proclaim your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I don't know what your prayer is each morning, but that's part of my morning prayer every morning. Because I, and I hope you, have made a commitment to live future forward. The good old days weren't as good as We think they were. It's just a reminder that we're cantankerous and we've lost sight of what we're here to do when we talk about the great old days. The good old days aren't as good as they are remembered. We want to live with passionate hearts as long as, as we can breathe the conscious breath. We want to choose to live forward so that the legacy we leave behind is powerful. A week ago, yesterday, I went to a, a funeral for a lady that, that has been precious to my wife and me, Gladys Faulkner. Paul and Gladys Faulkner, he's a mentor. They've been precious to us, and, and we went to her funeral. And one of the things that was said is, If you look behind Paul and Gladys Faulkner, there's this huge wake of people, of lives who have been changed. And most folks know Paul, but Gladys is a country girl. She liked to be barefoot and be in the country. And that's where she died, is on a place very much where she wanted to be. And she didn't want to live past being able to live out there. Get a little mud between her toes and go step her foot in some green water with cypress trees around her. Or chase her goats. To love her hound dog. 
or to welcome her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. She lived future forward and left behind her a legacy. I want to be that kind of person, don't you? So how do we do that? Well, I know that you don't have an outline, and we don't have an outline, but if you have a mobile device, you can bring up your notes. I want to give you four principles about living vital life now. It's going to be quick because we don't have much time, so here we go. Hang on, get ready to go. Number one, love generously. Now you expect to hear that in church. But let me tell you, love ain't a word. It's an action. Don't love with words, but in deeds and truth. 1 John 3, 16 through 18 emphasizes. So what does that mean? That means we love generously. It means we love folks outside our comfort zone. We reach outside our easies, and we love those who give us the greasies. That's just a good old cornbread way to say it, but it's important. Because when we hang around people that are like us, that look like us, that think like us, that are in our age group, that, that live in our neighborhood, that just go to our church, and those are the only folks we love, you remember what Jesus said? What good is that? Sinners do that. That's just called a club. But who did Jesus love? You heard our brother in our communion prayers this morning. He loved us. When we were lost and far away and needed help. The cross isn't just about the blood of Jesus cleansing us from our sins. It's about the incredible love that Jesus had to come to us. And to give up the stuff that he gave up. And to endure the stuff he did. You see, he gave up the easies. To love those that could give him the greasies. You know what I'm talking about. Those people that, yeah, our stomach gets those greasies. Those are the people we're called to love. We can grow cynical and closed and bigoted if the only people we love are those that are like us. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. If we don't love them like Jesus loves them, how can we claim to love him? Number two, invest wisely. This is not about your 501K. It's not about your Roth IRA. This is about who are you investing in. Because your money ain't worth much. You know, you remember the old joke about the guy that wanted that at the gates, the pearly gates, wanted to see if Peter would let him go get his gold that he had collected all his life. And he said, what in the world are you doing collecting pavement? It's worthless. The only thing we have that's going to last is our praise to Jesus and the people that we love that he loves. Everything else going away. When they... Go back to the church and eat fried chicken. chicken. The only thing that's going to last beyond that of us is our praise of Jesus and the people we've loved in Jesus' name. So invest wisely. Who are you investing in? I don't know if y'all do World Bible School or Let's Start Talking, but those are ways to invest in people. Caring and sharing is a way you invest in people in this community. 
Invest in your grandkids. Don't just pray for them. Talk to them about Jesus. Pray with them. Teach them Jesus stories. We're going to give you some tools to do that, Lord willing. I don't know if you have big brothers, big sisters here. But if you do, volunteer to be a lunch buddy for a little girl or a little boy. Our two grandsons came right out of hell. One of them in particular. Right out of the foster care system in Lexington, Kentucky. He was removed from the place he lived in the ER. That tells you a little something about it. Be a part of Compassion International and help support a child so they can learn about Jesus and get food and go to school. Teacher, help with children's classes here. Find someone younger than you and invest in them. Or find someone older than you and let them invest in you. Number three, focus specifically. What are you going to do this next 10 years? What's your mission this next 10 years? I'm not talking about the church mission. I recently did a thing with a church, a church of about 800. And I asked them to tell me what they're going to do for the next 10 years personally to serve the Lord. And at first glance, I got 125 responses, and that sounds pretty good. Only problem was there were about 500 adults there. And of those 125 responses, about 35 of them, about a fourth of them, did this mumbo Christian jumbo. You know what I'm talking Well, I'm going to do better for Jesus. Oh, come on, give me a break. Everybody's supposed to do better for Jesus. What are you going to do? What's your thing? What, what are you going to invest your life in this next 10 years that makes a difference in somebody's life? If you don't have that thing, then pray and fast till you know that thing. But find it. Number four, encourage across multiple generations. In Austin, I was a part of a, an incredible church, the Westover Hills Church, church of Christ, and we had an incredible youth minister. His name was Rick McCall. And he'd been there a couple of years, and, and he was frustrated because we had kids from 53 different schools. They were scattered out all over Austin, and I know y'all are scattered out, and y'all got folks from all over everywhere. And he was searching for a way. How do we energize this group to, to lead their friends to Christ, to commit to Jesus, to to be passionate about who you are, because in Austin, Texas, you don't, you don't join the God Squad by accident. You know what I mean? Austin is, well, as one person put it, it's 200 square miles of insanity surrounded by a state of reality. That's just Austin. And so you know what he did? Nothing public. He prayed, fasted once a week for six weeks. He would go over the church directory, and he chose a group of people, men and women, some really old, some not so old, and he gave them two or three names to pray about every single day. Little information about them. They weren't to tell those 
teenagers that they were being prayed for. They prayed for them. And at the end of the second year, they finally got to reveal themselves. They'd send them notes of encouragement. My son graduated with 53 other graduating seniors in his class. My daughter graduated with 46 five years later. They did a study 12 years after he began that prayer effort. Ten years after leaving the youth program there, what percentage of kids do you think was actively involved in church? 92%. Why don't our old people in church ask elders or youth ministers for the names of children and families to pray for? I'm too old. I can't do anything anymore. I wish I could do something to serve. Prayer is one of the most powerful things you can do. Who's on the prayer team for your missionaries? Who's on the prayer team for your ministers? Who's on the prayer team for your teenagers? Who's on the prayer team for your elders? Imagine if you just took it as your passion to be like Anna in Luke 1, or Luke 2, and and you made a commitment to pray for key things every single day. So invest generationally and then let those notes out. Let folks know about that. Because, after all, our friends are going to eat chicken. And we're not going to be there. Unless... Unless we serve the Lord wholeheartedly and there's a part of us and every one of the people there. Not just memories, but a passion to take the hill country. Oh, God, you have taught me. You have taught me since my earliest childhood. And I tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, Don't abandon me, O Lord, but let me proclaim your power to this new generation and your mighty miracles to everyone that comes after me. I hope as we sing this invitation song, you choose life, vital life, and you choose not to coast. Because God's got things for this church to do, and he can't do it without you. And he's got a new generation coming, and they can't do it without you. And you got a generation headed off to graduate to Jesus in the not-too-distant future. And those folks can't do it without the young ones. So how about we make the journey together as we stand and sing? Beyond description, too marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension Like nothing ever seen or heard Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description Majesty enthroned above 
And I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in awe of you. You are beautiful. 